the wholeness course, which has touched so many people's lives, was, was translated into and presented in Zulu, and that was a massive milestone for us, and we're just so excited about that. The new volunteer um, t-shirts, those black t-shirts like Dan was wearing this morning, the, the, the new ones have been produced by people that have come through our sewing and skills development program, and, and so we're not just going to any corporate now, we, we, we're busy giving business to those that we have trained and equipped. Um, over a thousand frozen meals were sent out to people who need meals uh, so far in this year. Um, we had more than 600 people attend Alpha and just come to faith and baptism. I mean, not all of them, but um, we have more than 600 people attend, and that's been an amazing journey. Um, hundreds of people did the Financial Peace University course, and we're getting incredible stories that are starting to come back as people apply those financial principles to find freedom in their own lives. Um, at our Splashy Fen Easter service, which is kind of a new thing um, that the Red Frogs guys host at Flashy Fen, there were 400 young people that came together to worship and praise Jesus on that Sunday morning um, in, 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 on that music festival. Um, our Grace Counseling Facebook page has over 9,000 people engaging in that page, just getting encouragement on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and one of the biggest transitions, probably the biggest transition that Grace has been through in the history of Grace was this massive shift that we've had around leadership where Mark from Stratton moving into a, a different role and Tom moving from Riverside to become the Plonga campus pastor and Ryan Wiesner joining our team at Riverside. Um, and, and just amazing moves that have just had God's blessing upon them. We launched our new language around love God, love people, make a difference. We've said it so much, you think we've been saying it forever. Um, but that was new language that was introduced this year. Um, the Cornubia campus, I was there last weekend, as you know. Um, missed you guys, it's so good to be back. But incredible to see what God's doing there. Um, it was launched in February, and already there's about 400 adults meeting on Sunday mornings. And uh, we've thrown the slab, and we're building the walls. And, and Christmas, we relaunch, kind of, it's a relaunch. We launch in the new facility which will be an 800-seater auditorium, and, and God's just doing amazing things in that place. I mean, who knew? A year ago, we had no idea, and, and now there's a, there's a church there. Um, our Grace Kids, um, they've been working from Genesis through to Revelation and just teaching our children, and just an amazing story and great testimonies coming out of that. And, and then just when we look at the, just the heart of Grace, where millions of hours of volunteering has been committed from you guys and the other members of this family. It's just, it's mind-blowing when we think, um, and when you just take a snapshot of what God's doing and what He's done through you and through us as a church. And so we have much to celebrate. Would you think that's something we're celebrating? I mean, that is so many people's lives. Won't you stand up? Let's just honor God. Let's stand up to our feet and just honor God. Yeah. Can, you can take your seats. It's so important that we just recognize what God's doing, because that's not what man has done. It's what God's done through ordinary people like you and like me. A number of years ago, I remember hearing a story about a preacher. Um, he was an Englishman that what he had gone to. I think it was Nigeria. I might have some of the finer details wrong, but as far as I remember, it was Nigeria. And he was invited to go and preach and to be a part of this prayer meeting. Um, and he had no idea what he was stepping into, but when he, when he arrived there, there were... Crowds like he had never seen before. And once a month in this area, between 700,000 and a million people would gather. And, and, and I remember, because I, I followed this kind of thing at the time, <clears throat> and um, he was absolutely blown away where these people would come together for, for a number, I can't remember if it was a couple of days or a week, I think it was a week, and just 
pray and honor and thank God. And the miracles and the signs and wonders that he saw just blew his mind. And, and he spoke and he had responses like he had never seen. When he prayed for people, he saw things happen that he had never seen before. And he went back home to England afterwards. And he was and he, he just is praying and he's saying, God, why is it that when there, when I preach the message I always preach, when I pray the prayers I always pray, um, that there's such a different response. Why is it that the same guy preaching the same message, the same guy praying to the same God would have such a different outcome? And God spoke one thing to him. He said to him, it's gratitude. These people are thankful. They are thankful. They thank me. Their hearts are wide open and full of gratitude. And something stirred in my heart when I, when I listened to that testimony, and I began to go and look and see what is God's attitude towards thankfulness, towards gratitude, towards that kind of response. And we see it all over Scripture, but it began to shift something and change the course of, of my journey and my, gen, my, my, my kind of um, way I related to God and the way I began to look at life. But let's just pray before we go any further. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as our God and our King. There is no other Savior but you, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to each one of us? Lord, I thank you this morning for just your, your, your freedom and for blessing. I thank you, Lord, that we can just breathe out and relax and enjoy being in the safety of your love and your grace and your mercy. Would you speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I began to look more at this, I, I began to understand something of God's heart around thanksgiving. And Paul says this, he says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Now, it's one thing to give thanks when God's done great things and your prayers have been answered and, and we're celebrating buckets and thousands and people's lives being changed. And, and that's a great place to give thanks. And, and any of us could look and say, well, how is it that you don't give? I mean, how can you not give thanks to God? How can you not respond to the goodness and, the, and, and, and of who, what God's doing? But for many of us, we find ourselves in situations where when we look at our circumstances, our circumstances seem to give us nothing to be grateful for, nothing to give thanks for. And I don't know about you, but, it, but, if, but if you think about what's been coming out of your mouth, it'll tell you a little bit about what's in your heart. Because when we begin to experience pressure, we begin to hear what's in our heart. And the other day, I was talking to some people that were asking me what, where I see the church at and what I feel God's doing. And I was fired up and I was talking, I was excited. And we got in the car and Mandy said, I had no idea. I said, what do you mean? She said, because that's not what you were saying just like the other day. <laughs> She said, I find it hard to keep up with you sometimes, you know? Sounds like I'm schizophrenic or something. I'm not. Okay. But, but it really just struck me because I realized that I have my moments as well where God's doing so much, but I miss it because I'm, I'm looking at what I don't have instead of what I do have. I'm not celebrating what is in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting distracted by other things. And... Um, this morning, I want to encourage you. The Bible's full of stories of people who learned how to give thanks and who modeled this thing of celebrating, giving thanks, and being full of gratitude in the midst of circumstances that don't seem to be that encouraging. But note something. Paul says, give thanks or be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I've heard this kind of teaching. People say, you must thank Jesus for your suffering. Well, Maybe you'll thank Jesus for your suffering afterwards when you see what's come about, okay? But for the most part, we don't thank Him in the midst of it. Now, if you're able to do that, go for it. 
because that's faith, and that's great. But the reality is, Paul's saying that even when you don't feel like you can respond to your circumstances with thanks, you can give thanks. And the key thing here is that he's not making a suggestion, but it's, he's saying this is a command, give thanks. And, and when we don't obey with the commands that God's given us, it's disobedience, and it's, it, it's sin. And so we find ourselves in this place where we remove ourselves from much of what God has for us. But you see, Paul could speak this because most of what he wrote, sorry, this thing is, most of what he wrote, he wrote from prison cells. Most of the times, and all the way through his letters, he says, be thankful, thank God, thank, and, and he talks about gratitude. But he not only reminded everyone else, but he modeled this thing. There's a story, and, and, and you've heard me often quote it. I love the story where Paul and his, his mate Silas have been preaching the gospel, and they get arrested, they get beaten, and they get put in prison, and they find themselves in this prison, this dungeon that's pitch black. They chain to the floors, what, what, what history tells us would have been like, probably in, sitting in human feces, there's probably rats running around, they're bloodied, they saw, they don't know what their future is, and they do the thing that every one of us would do. They just begin to raise a hallelujah. I'm not going to sing, no. They start to worship God. They give thanks in praise and in worship. It's, what, it's, it's the most unnatural thing, but something was in them. Something, they understood something about gratitude and thanksgiving because there is such power and there's such blessing and there's just an incredible thing that shifts when we learn to do this when we learn to honor God. And it's a great story because they, they, they and I don't want to put the emphasis on the outcome because they worshiped God, not because of an outcome, they worshiped God because they knew that he's worthy to be praised. They knew that they could give thanks in the midst of circumstances that were not really favorable for that. The result was that there was this earth tremor, earthquake, and the, 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 the doors come open and, and they all freed and the jailer is about to take his life because he realizes if all these guys leave, I'm going to get taken out. I've lost my job. I'm going to be, a, be held responsible for this. And they shout to him and they say, hey, listen, we're all still here. We haven't left. Don't worry, chap. And they meet with the family and his whole family give their lives to Jesus. It's a beautiful story. But it started when two men decided we're not going to focus and let our circumstances to God, but we're going to give thanks because we can. He says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. See, thanksgiving is important to God, but the opposite, complaining, is unacceptable to God. And I've, this, is, this, this message really challenges me, and I, I don't think I'm generally a negative person, but I'm embarrassed sometimes about how I can moan and I can groan about stuff. You see, God takes complaining really seriously. And the reason I'm sharing this, can, can I give you the, 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 my, where I'm trying to go this morning? Because I can't take you there, but I believe God wants to do something. He wants to free us this morning in whatever circumstance you're in. He wants to release his blessing, and, and, and he wants you to know the fullness of what it is to walk with him. And this is one of the, the absolute vital keys in this journey that we have with God. You see, Paul says it's not a suggestion because it's so important. In Exodus 16, we see the Israelites in the wilderness, and they're on their way to the promised land, this, this place that God has promised them, and they've been freed from slavery, and um, they begin to complain. They begin to complain. Verse 2 says, There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and, and, and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. They'd forgotten they'd just been freed from slavery, man. <laughs> Isn't it like that? We often look back. 
And the good old days are always better than they really were. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's always like that. And we miss where we are and we miss what God's doing in our lives. But you see, God hears it, but he's still gracious and he provides for them this food called manna, which just the word actually means, what is it? Like they didn't know what it was, but it was food. And because God gave it to them, it was nutritional and it was good. And I always say that I, I think for men, this journey must have been just such, it must have been absolute heaven. The Bible said that even their shoes didn't wear out. They didn't have to get clothes. God provided, you just carry on. I think for the average lady, that's just a nightmare. Imagine your shoes never wear out. You got no reason to buy new shoes. I mean, I just think, yeah. I don't know, but anyway, maybe it was part of God shaping their character or whatever. But, but here's the thing. God's given them everything, and they start to complain. Instead of being grateful, carry on. And this is the message version I'm reading from. It says, the riffraff among the people had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining. I love that word. Man, we like to whine. We don't like to admit it, but we like to whine sometimes. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free. To say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But nothing tastes good out there. All we get is manna, manna, manna. I mean, it's so childish, but it's so human. It's so much like me and so much like you this, when I listen to this. Okay, maybe it's not like you. So much like me. I felt like I lost some people in that statement. But finally, God has enough of their complaining. You see, there is a limit. And the reason is not because God has a limit to his grace and his mercy, but because he wants to help people out of their own bondage. And this is where these people are are heading. He's freed them from slavery, but they're heading back into another kind of a trap, another kind of a prison. You see, this is where we discover how seriously God takes complaining. He says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves, get ready for tomorrow when you're going to eat meat. You've been whining to God. We want meat. Give us meat. We had, better, we had a better life in Egypt. God has heard your whining, and he's going to give you meat. You're going to eat meat. And it's not just for a day that you'll eat meat. And it's not for two days or for five days or 10 or 20, but for the whole month. <laughs> You're going to eat meat until it's coming out of your nostrils. You're going to be so sick of meat that you'll throw up at the mere thought of it. I love the way the message puts things. And here's why. And here's why. Because you have rejected God who is right here among you. Friends, I want to tell you that God is in your midst. He's made his his home in your heart. He's where you are. Because you've rejected God who is right here among you, whining to his face, oh, why did we ever have to leave Egypt? You see, their lack of gratitude is a big thing to God. Why does God take grumbling and complaining so seriously? Because he takes it personally, that's why. Because he actually takes it personally. He does all this for his children and they are still ungrateful. They complain even after he's freed them from slavery. Remember, they cried out. If you're gonna read that story in Exodus, they cried out and, and God heard their cry and he said, okay, Moses, go and set my people free. And he performed all these miracles, but they quickly forget I just think how it would make me feel if I planned, and we've all done this as parents, you plan this beautiful event or you plan this beautiful holiday or this trip, and on the way, your children can't see the gift. They just moan and whine about the process and about every little step. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and he, he, he gets to travel 
um, with his father every now and again overseas and to places that he had, like really, is kind of dream destinations. And what always amazes me that the thing that he says is like, I always say, how was the trip? Oh, it was incredible there. Do you know the airplane food? And I think you have the gift of getting on an airplane to travel to other parts of the world. And you complain about the food? Seriously? Well, this is kind of what they're doing. God's freed them, and he's got them on a journey heading towards their promise, and they're worried about the pud course. <laughs> you see, God's leading them, and he's faithful to honor his promises. And, and we need to hear that this morning. God's faithful to honor his promise to you. Don't miss it along the way. They've got everything they need, and they don't... They're not grateful. There's no, there's no, they're not thankful. See, God takes complaining personally because complaining overlooks the grace of God. When we begin, to, you can't complain with faith. He said, overlooks the grace of God. It's unlimited mercy and kindness and generosity. It simply, it simply overlooks the love of God. It undermines the good news of the gospel and it ignores the faithfulness and the generosity of God. So often we miss that in the moment because we forget who our God is, we forget what God's done. I know that God regularly takes me back to that moment where, where I was on my knees, I was actually lying on my face, and I cried out to God, saying, God, help me, and he turned my life the right side up. It's like yesterday, I can remember that moment. I can remember what, it, what the floor looked like, and I'm so grateful that God brings me back to that space, because it reminds me of what he's done for me, because I can forget See, this kind of complaining is offensive to God because it's, at the core of it, it's blasphemous. It's actually blasphemous. Why is that? Well, because in a way, when we complain like that and we don't honor what God has done for us, we're saying, I don't believe, God, that you are taking care of me. I don't believe that you will keep your promises. I don't believe that you can redeem me through this situation. This is beyond you, God. And we move into a place where we, we not, it's not an indifferent place. Please hear God's heart in this. You see, when you strip it down, complaining is a refusal to trust God and to acknowledge His grace in your life. And it's the grace of God that empowers us to live, man. It's the grace of God that gives us the courage to face that mountain and that enemy and that desperate situation. It's the grace of God that, that gives me the courage to say no to that which is going to lead me into sin and away from God and to say yes to all the fullness and the blessing that God has given to me. We need to acknowledge the grace of God. You see, when we complain, we stop paying attention to what we have and we become fixated on what we don't have. Research has proven this. Research has proven that the more you complain, um, the more things you'll find to complain about. They, they, they did a study, and they got two groups of people, just two random groups of people. The one group of people, they said, you need to keep a journal, uh, an irritation journal of all the things that irritate you, you know? Um, and the, the, the second group, um, they said, you need to keep a daily um, journal of thanksgiving, everything you're grateful for. And so, and so these people began to do this. And they found that those who kept thanksgiving journals had a greater overall energy and enthusiasm and slept better and were less depressed. Isn't that amazing? You see, thanksgiving will affect your health. It's, it's scientifically has proven. They've done so many studies. When you are grateful, when you have a thankful heart, you'll be a healthier, happier, more rested, more pleasant person to be around. There's some motivation. They also found that each group, whatever they were assigned to intentionally, 
became their unintentional behavior. So if, they were, if the group that was intentionally told to, be, to keep a journal of what they're irritated with and what they're unhappy with, that became their unintended, it became a habit. This just became what, and, and the other group that was grateful, they started to just become more grateful. People who had listed their annoyances became increasingly discontent. You see, when, you, when, you, when you're not thankful, when you, when you don't have gratitude, you become ungrateful and you'll become discontent with everything and that grows or diminishes depending on where your focus is. The people who listed the positives became increasingly grateful and thankful and positive about life. Isn't that amazing? Two random groups, just what are you taking note of? Their circumstances weren't changing, they were changing. You see, complaining like thankfulness has a way of becoming the lens that we look at life through. I've got some friends, I've got some family Man, I can handle them in small doses because after a short moment, I want to jump off something because they just, they're so negative. They just moan away, but it's become their habit. They don't have to think about it anymore. I was with somebody last week and I, 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 was, I was chatting and, and, and I could see they were sincerely trying to be like interested, but, but they are so framed with the lens of complaining that they'd ask something positive and just everything was, I was exhausted by the end of the conversation. How's it in your heart? You see, complaining keeps us focused on what we wish was different rather than being thankful for what we have. Mandy's often challenges me because I, I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm a future person. I, I, I don't really live in the past. I've got to remind myself to be in the present because I'm always looking over there. But one of the dangers of that, one of the weaknesses of, of that is that you can often not enjoy the moment. You can often live discontent because you always there's always something else. And that can become a... A complaint, it can become a negative thing instead of something that inspires you. We need to celebrate what we have and what God's given to us and what, what the place we find ourselves in. I mean, friends, look at the place we live. I always say to people, if you live in this Belito Dolphin Coast area and you're miserable about where you live, I've got no answer for you. <laughs> because, man, there's no other place on the face of the earth I would rather live than being right here. I really mean that with all my heart. We live in an amazing place. I'm not even talking about what God's done. Just this beautiful place that, that, that's been provided for us. You see, this is why so many people who visit poor communities return being more grateful. Isn't that true? I've seen it in my kids. I've seen it in the people that we've taken on trips and the places we've, we've ministered a lot in, in very poor, underprivileged communities. And whenever, whenever we take people some, there, you don't have to say anything. Something shifts in their heart. This is why this week, and I want to commend so many of you um, participated in the Matthew 25 challenge, and in so many of the conversations I've had with you, one of the consistent responses is, man, I'm just so grateful for my mattress, <laughs> if you slept on the floor. I'm so grateful for this, just how much I have, what I've been blessed with. Why? Because we stopped for a moment and realized that we have so much more. And so we begin to give thanks. You see, complaining causes us to become increasingly discontent. Gratitude or thankfulness does not depend on circumstances. This is something that many of us don't understand, and we think that it totally depends on circumstances. It doesn't. It, it really, it recognizes that God's grace is a reason enough to be thankful in all circumstances. Because when we begin to recognize that and what God's done, we begin to see the bigger picture, and it gives us context for our uncomfortable circumstances that we sometimes find ourselves in. I often struggle with being discontent in the midst of great blessing, and I'm always embarrassed when I, when I realize it or when it's pointed out to me. And, and I think back to when Manny and I've lived in places where we had very little, we lived, where we've lived in the bush as missionaries and where you've got 
Very low, you eat food not for the taste, but just because it's nutritional. Um, there's no entertainment, there's none of that stuff. And you begin to appreciate the smallest things. I was telling somebody the other day that one of our, our, our treats when we lived in Mozambique, and I didn't feel like we were suffering by any means, believe me, it was probably one of the healthiest times of my life. But we would take bananas when they were in season and cocoa and brown sugar, and we would beat it up like a milkshake smoothie thing. And that was like, that was like such a treat because we didn't really have sweet stuff. Um, and I think, now I wouldn't drink that for anything right now. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> but in the moment, you start to appreciate the small things because something got developed in our hearts around gratitude and thanksgiving on a much bigger scale. We weren't looking to our circumstances as the standard or the measure or the source of our, our thankfulness. Friends, here's the truth. You know this. And, and, and maybe you're one of these people, and here's a gentle rebuke. Complainers are going to complain irrespective of their circumstances. Have you noticed that? There's a, there's a, a Facebook page that's, um, what's it, um, it's hashtag first world, first world problems. Um, and, and, it's, and when you go and listen to those, I mean, they're ripping off people that complain about first world problems. You know, like my, my Apple Watch, I'm really just don't know how, it's just, I'm going to have one of those days because my Apple Watch didn't measure, you know, it's two meters out um, on my run, you know, or... You know what I'm saying? Like, or, you know, my model of smartphone, uh, there's some issue with it. Or, you know, it's kind of stuff that, that, that really is not going to change anybody's life, really. But we can get caught up in this stuff. And the Israelites started to get caught up in this stuff. Like gratitude, complaining is contagious. Just don't do it. It's offensive to God. And it's unhelpful to you and to the people around you. But when we discover God's grace... We always, we always have a reason to be thankful. When we practice thankfulness, we begin to find more and more opportunity to be thankful. Here's the thing. Remember, your story is not over yet. The Israelites were in the middle of the desert on their way to inherit this amazing promise that God had said he would give. And he gave it because God honors his promises, but they missed it because of the food. They started to complain. You see, so often we complain about the very blessings that God has given us. I was challenging a friend the other day the way he talks about his kids. How many of us have prayed for children? Oh, God, give me a child. And we get a child. And then we complain because we lose some sleep. And we complain about our kids because they behave like us. And we complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not the neighbor's kids. It's like you and me. Um, but here's the thing. So often we miss the very blessing. So many of us say, God, would you give me, I want, I, I want, I want a greater, I want to make more money, I want, to, I want to move up in the organization, and we get the promotion, and then we complain about the weight of the responsibility <laughs> and the hours that we need to work. We say, but hang on, you asked for that. See, most of what we got, we've asked for. Am I right? And it's so easy to miss the very blessing that God has given us. Maybe it's your family. Why is it important to be thankful? Well, firstly, just because this is God's will. This is God's will to be thankful. It takes faith to give thanks. Have you noticed that? It takes faith because we don't always feel like it. And Jesus modeled this. This is a great reason to, to live a life of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. Jesus always gave thanks before he asked his father to act. Go and look at it. Go and read it. When he broke the bread... Symbolizes his body, he gave thanks. Before he raises Lazarus from the dead, 
He gives thanks. He always gave thanks. This was a starting point. There's some breakthroughs that some of us are waiting through in our lives, and if we would start with thanksgiving, we'd begin to see greater breakthroughs. We'd begin to see God's hand in our lives on a greater measure. We'd see the manifestation of God's presence on greater measure if we begin to learn to live a life of thanksgiving and a heart full of gratitude. I dare you. Test it. You see, practicing thankfulness invites joy into our lives. But it is something that you need to practice. Paul says, cultivate thankfulness. That's an intentional action, which means you've got to focus on it. You've got to develop this thing. It's something that you've got to commit to. And there's ways of doing it. You can give, keep a journal of gratitude. You can round the table when you say grace, when you thank God for your food, and I hope you do. And, you've asked, and you, when, you, when you eat, take time. Mandy used to remind us regularly, especially when our kids were growing up. Actually, we still do it. Where she'll say, listen, what are you grateful for? What was the best part of your day? What is, and, and we speak about things like that. Not enough. But those things help me, and they'll help you to be grateful. There's a Jesuit priest that said this, and this, this statement has actually been taken and proven through research, but he said, it is not joy that makes us grateful, it is gratitude that makes us joyful. It is not joy that makes us grateful, but it's gratitude that makes us joyful. Isn't that so true? Some of the happiest, most joyful people I've known are people that have like nothing, or have the least, because they, they, their hearts are right towards God. Jesus said this. He said, remain in my joy. Remain in, sorry, remain in my love, and your joy will be full. John 15, he says, I loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. You see, gratitude, gratitude produces worship. What does it mean to remain in the joy? You know what that means? It's remaining in the grace of God. It's remaining in the grace of God. See, to complain is to deny the grace of God in your life, but to receive God's grace, to receive his love, to receive his forgiveness, the natural response of that is to be grateful, to give thanks, to acknowledge it. You can't do both at the same time. The Bible says anything that we do that's not of faith is sin. You can't complain and moan and groan and grumble by faith. Gratitude produces worship. It makes you aware that you are in the presence of God. And how many of you know that when you're aware of God's presence in a moment, what do we do? We just live better. <laughs> we live better. How do you overcome that habitual sin, become aware of the presence of God in your life? Have you ever tried to have a conversation with God, honoring Him as God? and then committing to that habitual sin? Come on, this is practical. This is practical. It leads to worship. You see, thanksgiving becomes praise and praise becomes worship. Guys, I have such a conviction about this because some of my deepest moments, some of my darkest moments of, of depression and anguish and failure in my life as, as a follower of Christ have been, I found freedom in this. I've told you the story many times of coming to a place of getting on my face every day before God alone in my office early hours of the morning and just beginning to thank God because I didn't know what to pray anymore. I didn't know what, I, I didn't know what reading the scripture wasn't doing anything and I, and I just started, my starting point would be that. Some of you have got to that place. You don't know what to say anymore. You don't know what to ask anymore. You don't know what to think. You don't know what the plan is or the next step. Well, here's your next step. <laughs> I'll give you your next step and you can do it. You can do it right now and you can do it every single day. You start by saying, Jesus, thank you. What am I thank you for? Well, start to think about it. 
and you'll begin to have a list, and you'll have another list. And as you, as you begin to think, something will shift because you'll become aware of God's presence in that, in that room and in your life and in your heart, and you'll begin to praise God. And once you started to praise God, you'll begin to worship God, and worship is just a response to who God is. And, and your, your, your spirit will be revived, you'll be strengthened, and you'll be able to get up and begin to face whatever it is that you're facing. You'll begin to hear God's heart, you'll begin to walk with a new freedom and new energy. It affects you physically, it affects you emotionally, it affects you spiritually. The psalmist speaks about this, he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I love the way the message uh, translation says, says, enter with the password, thank you. Isn't that cool? Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourself at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. You see, God is here, he's in your life, he's in your midst, but we're not aware of him so often, and when we give thanks, we become aware of God's presence in our lives. Be thankful in all circumstances, Paul says, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I could talk so much about all the benefits of thanksgiving, but I want to say to you, knowing it's not going to change your life, doing it is going to change your life. Doing it is going to change your life. And the last line that I haven't spoken about that, I asked the music team to come up. Paul says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Why does he say that? Again, because when we complain, when we moan, when we groan, it's offensive to God. And we resist the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we deny the grace of God in our lives, we're closing the door on God. Closing the door on God. Cultivate thankfulness, you'll become healthy, rested, at peace, full of joy. Complain and moan and groan, you'll become bitter, you'll become sick, you'll become tired, you'll be stressed out. Is this a magic wand? No, it's a principle. God says, Jesus says, remain in my love and your joy will be full. Joy is one of my measures. When I realize that joy is not kind of rising up within me, I've got to go and look at my gratitude. I want to tell you this last week, I've been in a battle around joy. Because as many of you know, and I've had a long journey, I've not been that healthy, and I've had a great run, and I'm, and I'm, I'm still healthy, and I'm, and I'm, but I can get distracted when the symptoms come back. Some friends encouraged me on Thursday morning, Barry encouraged me, he said, don't look to that. And we need reminding sometimes to not be distracted. So we're gonna celebrate what we have. What do we have? We have life in Jesus Christ. We have eternity already sealed up. We have a Father who loves us more than we can comprehend. We have a Savior who has already done everything and more than what we could possibly ever need. Do not get distracted along the way around Padkos, the food for the trip, but recognize who your God is. Friends, don't deny God's grace in your life through complaining and grumbling. I only ask you to stand to your feet. And I want you to just pray, I want to pray two prayers. I want to pray two prayers. This might bow our heads for a moment. I don't know what the Lord's saying to you this morning, 
But if you need to ask God to forgive you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And won't you just make right with God? If you've been moaning and whining and been grum- and grumbling, won't you just say, God, I'm sorry, because it is that serious. Father, I just, Lord, I stand with my friends this morning and we ask you, you know every one of our hearts, Lord, would you forgive us for complaining, Lord, about our government and about the traffic and drivers and weather and people, family, whoever, the circumstances we find ourselves in. Lord, would you forgive us for that? Because Lord, you freed us from slavery. You freed us, you gave us life. We were dead in sin and you have given us life. You have forgiven us. You have loved us. And Lord, not only that, but you've, Jesus said you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are still leading us towards the promise. And not one promise, but every promise that you've spoken. Lord, we ask you to forgive us and we make a decision. Lord, we choose to give thanks. We choose to acknowledge you and your grace in our lives. And so Lord, as we stand as a family this morning, would you just, Holy Spirit, would you just strengthen and refresh every person? Lord, would you remove heaviness? Would you remove burdens? Lord, would you stir courage in our hearts where we are facing challenges and battles and fights? I thank you, Lord, for your intervention in every person's life here. And Lord, if there's anyone here, and friends, I want you, if there's anyone here that you, you don't know, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, would you begin to speak to him? Would you begin to acknowledge him? And if you, I'd love to chat more with you. You can come and chat with me afterwards. But Lord, I thank you that you see. We're gonna close and we're gonna just sing that song, I See a Victory. It's just so heavily on my heart this morning. Many of us sitting here, our circumstances are a massive challenge to us. And as we sing that song, can we sing it by faith, saying, God, not because of what I feel, but because of who you are, I see a victory in my life, in my heart, in my attitude, in my circumstances, in my family, in my business, in my finances, in my community, wherever it is that you need to see that. And let's trust God because he's a faithful God. Let's sing that song.
Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that we can remain in your love. Lord, I thank you that our journey is not finished, that you're not finished, and Lord, that we're not finished. Lord, I pray for your blessing as we go out. Lord, I thank you that as we give thanks, as we praise you, as we, as we cultivate thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts, Lord, I thank you for a joy that would rise in every person's heart, in every family's hearts, Lord, in every household in this place. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.